Blockage in the Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, Adrian Guest, and we are back at it again with another edition of our weekly roundup series. This is weekly roundup number five. Today is July Saturday, July 30th, 2022. And as always, Adrian, we tell the listeners this every single week. We have a ton of news to get to. We're going to take you all across the country. We're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about Democrats maybe making a comeback in the midterms. We're going to also give you an update on Brittany Griner and a new, you know, disease, I wouldn't say, that's going around. It's called monkeypox. Not to scare you, but <laughs> maybe just one more thing to keep your, your eye on as we get into the As fall. if COVID wasn't enough. <laughs> exactly. Like, let's add monkeypox to the list. <laughs> Uh, but let's get right into it, listeners. So in our first segment, of course, this is where we discuss some of the bigger topics. We you know, give more time for us to give our opinions on it. And so we're going to start in Florida. It's going down to Florida where ABC Tampa Bay has reported that the state has over 9,000 vacancies to fill before school starts in a couple weeks. And in order to address this problem, the Florida Department of Education is proposing a solution to allow mil- military veterans to fill those vacancies with no teaching degree. And so according to the Gainesville Sun, the move has many remaining teachers feeling the qualifications for the position are being diluted. Uh, currently, teacher candidates must have a minimum of 60 college credits with the 2.5 GPA and also must receive a passing score on the FLDOE, um, the subject area examination Uh, for bachelor's level subjects. Now, when veterans are considered, they must complete a minimum of 48 months of military service and have a teaching mentor if hired. So Adrian, this highlights a problem I think has always existed, which is teacher shortages. And I think it's a broader problem where we just cannot recruit the best of the best when it comes to teachers. We can't recruit young teachers because they don't you don't see the, you know, it's worth the the headache and the pay is not really great. Um, and so they're talking about military veterans coming in and, you know, teaching some of these classes with no teaching degree. I can understand from a, you know, an educated perspective how this looks like you're lowering the bar. Uh, but <laughs> I also understand you got 9,000 vacancies to fill and I don't think they're going to start handing out bonuses to new teachers. So uh, you know, in lieu of that, you gotta somebody's gotta teach the courses. I mean, it's not the worst option, I guess. You know, Devin, <laughs> you, come up with. you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Ron DeSantis was the governor of Florida, yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't, you know, be surprised by something like this. You, you know, we're in the year 2022. We've gone through two years of a pandemic where we've used virtual learning where you could have teacher shortage in Mississippi, but hey, you got teachers in, I don't know, New York, I don't know, Texas, California. I I mean, the list goes on and on to where you have teachers who need jobs, probably in other states, where I understand that the teaching licensure is state by state specific, but that's another push for us to have more of a national uh, appeal to education so that teachers can go from state to state and teach. Because it, it, when you have something like this, I love military veterans, but they shouldn't be in classrooms teaching if they don't have teaching degrees. Um, even whenever you do the non-traditional route to become a teacher, you still have to pass exams to say that you have certain capabilities to do that. And I don't know if I see that they have to do a little subject area examination and things like that. Um Actually, they don't even have to do that. They just have to complete, you know, service and have a teaching mentor. So I just really think it's belittling, like the teachers are saying, it's belittling their profession to say anybody can just come in here and teach as long as you got a, a mentor to just assist you. And, and it's, it's not true at all. Um, but again, I go back to what I said. Virtual learning is the answer, not military veterans. Yeah, I think I would agree to that to a certain extent. Of course, I mean in a crisis, which I guess you could say 9,000 vacancies could sort of be a crisis as far as teacher recruitment. Um, Virtual learning, I think, is a temporary solution to a bigger problem, which is you want to have the in-person learning. That's like the gold standard. If you can't have that, then there's a bunch of other things you get to before you have, you know, military veterans coming into the classroom with no um, teaching degree and just a mentor. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would agree and disagree in that. Yes, I could see virtual learning playing like a temporary kind of, we'll do this for the first few months of the school year until we get you a, an in-person teacher kind of thing. Uh, I do think the pandemic has showed virtual learning can be used in certain situations, but you want the kids in school. And I understand having military veterans. I don't think that's the best way. Maybe you could just try recruiting teachers who recently retired, um, pulling them out, you know, back into the classroom, you know, maybe start hiring more substance. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a way. There are ways. I mean, that's what, what you just said is one thing that Mississippi did, uh, hiring uh former retired teachers back retired teachers yeah and it's great for them because they get their pension which is a little mm-hmm. bit and they get their salary so they're actually getting the chance to double dip when they come back that way so it's very very beneficial in mississippi and i would also agree with you Devin, in the sense that i don't think virtual learning would be a long-term solution for that nine thousand vacancy but i think for the sheer fact that they have such a large vacancy and schools are right around the corner I think they should go to that. I'm not Ron DeSantis or the you know, the Secretary of Education in Florida, so I don't have much of a say. But listeners, if you live in Florida, maybe you can say something to your elected leaders and say, you know, maybe teaching should be left to the professionals and not to just anybody. And again, that's not to discredit our military veterans because maybe they even have a bachelor's degree in mathematics or chemistry or physics, whatever the case may be. But that doesn't mean that you can teach. I've got an economics degree. That doesn't mean I can teach economics. So <laughs> just saying. Um, but let's move That's on fair. to another. No, go, no, uh, no, you're right. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, let's go on to something. I guess with an economic degree, I should be able to introduce and at least talk a little bit about. And this is the economic shrink that we're seeing in the second quarter here. And this article is talking about how the U.S. economy has shrank from April through June for the second straight quarter, contracting at a 0.9% annual pace and raising fears that the nation may be approaching a recession. The decline that the Commerce Department reported Thursday is the GDP, which is the gross domestic product, followed by a 1.6% annual drop from January through Feb through March. Conservative quarters of falling GDP constitute one informal, though not definitive, indicator of a recession. The report comes at a critical time. Consumers and businesses have been struggling under the weight of punishing inflation and higher loan costs. On Wednesday, the Fed's raised its benchmark rate by a sizable three quarters of a point for a second straight time and has pushed to conquer the worst inflation outbreak in four decades. You know, listeners, if you're not someone that's in uh, economic uh, classes that probably just sound like a bunch of reading to you. Uh, but the, the, the gist of it with, with GDP, I mean, that's everything that a country produces whenever you think about, uh, it's economic wealth, whether it's imports, exports, taxes, uh, anything that the, you know, the government, you know, has, that's what GDP is. And we have a large GDP, but ours has fallen. And, you know, Devin, I'm not sure of what some of the reasons behind this could be other than, you know, I know we're still in the pandemic. Uh, I know that there's probably people who maybe still don't want to go back to work jobs that are paying minimum wage. Uh, Maybe there's jobs that aren't given uh, adequate benefits. Um, I don't know if we're headed towards a recession. It could be. I haven't really been following the economy that much. But one thing is sure is that you don't want a shrinking GDP uh, whenever you have so much inflation, you have gas prices rising, you have grocery prices seem to be on the rise. Um, so not which I know our next door is going to be talking about Democrats, but man, this definitely isn't looking too good for Democrats. <laughs> no. And, and this and this is why you have seen the White House play really kind of fast and loose with the definition of a recession. You know, they they sort of came out, I think it was yesterday on Wednesday, maybe, or Tuesday, they came out during the White House press briefing, and they really did not want to commit to the usual definition, which we just said is like, you know, two quarters of falling G- you know, GDP or negative GDP growth. And so the White House put out like this blog post, essentially sort of giving a counter argument, basically saying that despite the fact that we are seeing the contraction in GDP in multiple, you know, in consecutive quarters, the the fundamentals of the economy are strong, is what they're trying to say. And it's like it's I'm not an economist, but from what I've heard and read, it's kind of like it's it's right and wrong. I mean, 
I think some people are overhyping the recession stuff and just trying to, you know, be the first one to predict it. I don't think we're full on into it yet. The job market, um, unemployment, you know, claims have ticked up, but they're not like, you know, not nowhere near what they were during the pandemic. Uh, you've seen prices are up, but a lot of stores and namely like Walmarts and Targets have tons of inventory and they're having to cut prices to sell it. So you may see prices not necessarily go through the roof as much because they have a ton of inventory. So, and a lot of the inflation has been driven by supply chain problems. They just have not been able to figure that out. Like when we were talking uh, last year uh, with the professor, I can't remember his name from MIT. He was explaining that to us. Dr. Sheffy. I'll Dr. never forget Sheffy. that. <laughs> Dr. Sheffy explained the whole problem with the supply chain. And I think we are still experiencing some of the those problems, which is why you're seeing inflation um, kind of go through the roof on certain uh, you know goods because things are still in, sh- in short supply, and it's not because there's they can't produce enough of it. It's just the supply chain is just you know still recovering from from the pandemic. So I'm not you know I'm not on the bandwagon raising the alarm like yes we're in a recession you need to start saving your money and doing things like that. I think. If to me, it's weird. It's like the economy feels bad in some ways, but in, you know, there are plenty of jobs. Prices in the stores, you go in, like I went in Walmart the other day, the whole men's section was like on clearance. <laughs> so there are sales to be had. There are jobs out there. So it's like, it's bad. Gas is going back down. So that's good news. So we'll see if that continues. But, you know, what if it's kind of a Republican, going? what if it's just a Republican thing that maybe they've, been talking to a bunch of people in the commerce department or somebody and getting them to be scared because I feel like it's more of a scare tactic thing. I don't think we're looming towards a recession because I think that they're like you just said and pointed out, there's a lot in our economy that is trending in a positive way, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that are negative, but I don't I don't think we're going anywhere towards inflation. I just think maybe we've just got some bad uh, GDP growth. Uh, and that could be because other countries are, you know, doing some other things and maybe we've got less uh, uh, imports that, that we're sending or rather less exports that we're sending out. Or, I mean, we did you know, work on taxes, you know, to cut you know, taxes down and stuff like that. There's a lot of different indicators that go into what the GDP is for a country. Uh, and, you know, as we said, this was a small, um, small uh, shrink. I mean, you know, one point nine percent. Uh, 1.6%. I mean, small in the sense of, you know, our GDP is in the trillions or so. So it's, um, I think we're doing all right, to say the least. Yeah, not, don't get scared yet. This is not 2008, 2009. It's, you don't need to, to panic just yet. Just keep your eyes open. Um, and then our last story here in our discussion section or segment, these two are really connected. You're talking about the economy and you're also talking about the midterm election that's coming up because the economy in the state of our economy will probably dictate who wins come November in the midterms. And there's actually been sort of a tightening of the race here. If you're a Democrat, this is great news. If you're a Republican, you're probably starting to get a little bit nervous. Um, this is actually a an article from Fox News. So that just lets you know just how serious this is. But a new Emerson College National Survey has revealed that Republicans lead Democrats by just one point, 45% to 44%, which represents a nine-point improvement for Democrats since February. And this is a, uh, I think this is a, a generic congressional ballot. So I think they just ask people who, who will they vote for come November. Right now, it went from a nine-point Republican lead to just a one-point Republican lead in this most recent poll. And 51% of voters in this poll say that the economy is the most important issue facing the country. And that is down from 58% in June. So you're starting to see the economy start to not fall down the list of things that's on people's minds, but it's maybe receding a little bit. And to piggyback on top of this, you're already starting to see some organizations like the National Unity 2022 Black Voting and Power Building Campaign. They're starting to get active and start to focus on uh, activating black voters to come out in November. Uh, Melanie Campbell, who is the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, said that those groups uh, are aiming to match or exceed the black voter turnout levels from 2018, 
where we got 51% of black voters to turn out. So Adrian, it's, I don't know who said it, but somebody in a political world, you know, coined the phrase, it's the economy, stupid. I think it's somebody who was working under Bill Clinton. Um, but if, you know, if you Joe <laughs> Biden and, and Democrats, um, it is the economy. And so that's why the, the, the White House is playing with the definition of a recession and they're hoping and praying that gas prices continue to go down and that jobs still stay available. Wages may not necessarily rise at the same rate, but at least they could stay, you know, stagnant. <laughs> um, but this is awesome news if you're Democrats, because we talked about it. They were on track to be whooped. You know, I, I was going to say a different word. I didn't want to say what I really wanted to say, but they were on track to, to get whooped in November. And now it looks like they could actually hang on to power, you know, in both the Senate and the House. Yeah, there's a chance. I'm, I'm still, you know, uh, President Biden still makes me nervous about, because uh, <laughs> oh, yes. you know, he's just got so many incompletes in his presidency that I feel like if the Republicans just make the election more about him and less about who they're actually running against. It's you know, all about these by the Biden administration and all the false promises that he's given to people rather that the party has given to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I'm happy these polls. I don't, I'm not a poll. I'm not a pollster. So I don't give a lot of merit to polls. I'm glad it came from Fox news or this is an article from Fox news, but mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm still nervous just because Joe Biden is just he's not delivering enough. (laughs) And I hope that the people who are running on the Democratic ticket can really make the message about them and their platform and what they're trying to do and the resistance they have with the Republicans, the resistance they have with the Supreme Court. I hope they can deflect and people will accept that. Sometimes when you deflect and just say, well, it's someone else's fault. You know, it, it doesn't really get you too far to yeah. say, well, I didn't do it because the Republicans or because the Supreme Court. It's like, well, why, what are you still doing? So, like I said, I'm happy to see this poll. Uh, I still I get like you said, the economy's stupid. We definitely got to, you know, they got to figure out. I say we I don't really like to be classified as a Democrat, but um, they've got to do all they can to. You know, make sure that people see that they're trying, they're doing, that they have, you know, healed the soul of America, as Joe Biden always would say, uh, and that we're trying to uh, really bring some justice to every community in a different way. Uh, If they don't have that message, I don't know what will happen. And hats off to Melanie Campbell, one of our former guests on there. uh, Making some news and stuff, getting getting black people active, not waiting until. I mean, it's still late to wait until now. I mean, it's a couple more months before November. It's like mm-hmm. y'all were supposed to be mobilizing last year. What, like, <laughs> we had this discussion. <laughs> we had this whole discussion with, uh, I think it was Kevin um, Olasanoye from uh, Collective the, Pack. The Collective Pack. I think we talked to him about the fact that Democrats wait, you know, until two, three months before the election to come out to Black voters and say, "Hey." We need you to vote for us come November. Like, yeah, it's July or August. We would like to see this earlier, but nonetheless, hopefully, you know, they can get it together. And, you know, Democrats, as much as we talk about the message, the message is still not great. But hopefully uh, the Republicans don't have a great message either. At least I don't understand what it is just yet. And, and the January 6th committee, I will tell you, is not helping. It could be the reason why you're starting to see people shift a little bit because you're starting to see these videos of Donald Trump, people testifying about what happened. So January 6th is sort of cropped back up as an issue. And now the DOJ is investigating Donald Trump. So really, you know, this is I haven't kept up with this. I feel like we're gonna we need to do like a special to inform people about this. And I I, because I haven't been keeping up with and it seems like if it's if it's something this pressing, maybe. I don't know. I'm, uh, we may have to look into that. That's hope. interesting. <laughs> There's hope. Yeah. Hope for him not to run again in 2024. I'm telling you, I, I'm pretty sure I saw the DOJ is looking into his actions on January 6th. So we'll see what happens. Um, but listeners, we're going to let you go. That was a, a longer segment, but hopefully you enjoyed our commentary about the economy, Democrats' chances in November, and also the teacher shortage in Florida. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give you an update on monkeypox, Brittany Griner, 
and a host of other issues that are happening around the country. So make sure you stick around with us and we'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to our scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with other organizations? Maybe you'd like to advertise or even appear on our show. If so, go to our website, blackagendapod.com. Or while you're listening, click the donate link in the timestamps. Thank you for your support and your belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into it here. Our quick update section or news updates, however you want to call it. Uh, The first one that Devin was talking about was monkeypox. And this is from the UN Health Agency, United Nations, that is. The expanding monkeypox outbreak in more than 70 countries is an extraordinary situation that qualifies as a global emergency. And this is coming from the World Health Organization chief on Saturday. This declaration could spur further investment in treating the once rare disease and worsen the scramble for sparse vaccines. Quick little update here in the church world. Two interesting stories. One was from Creflo Dollar. I know most of y'all remember him whenever he had the campaign to raise a 60, raise $65 million for a private jet. Well, now he's saying that everything he taught on tithing was wrong. And he even said, quote, I would argue that tithing isn't required or even encouraged for believers in Jesus Christ. I would argue with you on that one, Creflo, but I'm not here to debate that. That's in the Bible. It's in Micah. But let's go to another one. Uh <laughs> Another uh, pastor, this is a New York bishop, was robbed during his sermon. Bishop Lamar uh, Whitehead was in the middle of delivering his sermon at the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries, and armed assailants came in and robbed him of his jewelry, totaling about a million dollars. You know, Devin, some interesting updates to kind of start us off here. Monkeypox, I will say, I, I had something very, very weird happen when I was in L.A., and they thought it could have been monkeypox, but we weren't sure. Everything was like negative tests for everything. They didn't test me for monkeypox because it was so brand new that they're like, it's probably not that. So really, really weird on that. Also weird mm-hmm. in the church. Why do you have a million dollars in jewelry while you're preaching? That just sounds flashy. <laughs> I mean, come on. And again, Creflo, you need to go back to the Bible. It's so funny that those two stories go behind each other because you have Creflo Dollar of all people saying that tithing, you know, isn't required um, of those who are believers in Jesus Christ. The contradictions make themselves. And then you have the pastor, a million dollars worth of jewelry, really? Like, come on. Like, what's going on here? But But he says he's not flashy. I'm sure. He says it's his money. He can spend it on what he wants. Where did that money come from? (laughs) Just, you know, that's like, I did the whole thing. Like, you don't feel that you're a walking contradiction. You're a pastor with a million dollars worth of jewelry on and a church with any, nobody in the audience probably has anything close to what you have on. You probably got members who can't pay their bills. Yeah. Like, you could literally give each person in the audience a piece of jewelry and probably, like, pay their rent for two to three months but no you choose to wear it on your body and then you get robbed during the sermon like maybe that's god maybe it's god trying to tell you something (laughs) maybe he probably i doubt he sees it that way no but um we'll move on to our next couple stories here um like i said before the break we do have an update about britney griner apparently uh the u.s uh, state department has offered a deal to russia that is aimed at bringing home WNBA star Brittany Griner and another jailed American, Paul Whelan. And this is according to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He said this on Wednesday. Now, Russia has for years in this trade. They've what has happened here. The State Department has proposed a prisoner swap. They will give Russia back uh, the Victor Bout, who is a Russian arms dealer and once labeled a merchant of death. And in return, the U.S. would get Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. There may be another. A Russian involved in this uh, prisoner swap, but the biggest name of all is Victor Bout. Um, and right now, it's not really clear if Russia is going to accept this deal or not. It's been some time since they've sent this deal, so they haven't heard anything just yet. But we should uh, hear something this week. Hopefully, I think Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Sergey Lavrov, who is essentially the Secretary of State for uh, Russia, they're going to be having a phone call this week. So we'll see if it comes up. 
Um, our next update is going to be about a federal lawsuit. Now, we brought you this story last week about, uh, I think we brought this story up here, about the SeaWorld uh, Sesame Street-themed park in Philadelphia that was accused of ignoring two black girls during their uh, show. Well, that has now turned into a, the mar- the father of those children is now accusing SeaWorld of pervasive and appalling discrimination at its Sesame Street-themed park in Philadelphia. Uh, again, this is just days after the video went viral that showed the person dressed as a character Rosita ignoring two black girls at the park. And the suit accuses the characters of intentionally refusing to engage with the child and ignoring other black guests while performing for white people. So there you go, Adrian. A couple updates. Brittany Griner, there may be some flickers of hope that she could be coming home soon. But then also SeaWorld and Sesame Street are getting entangled in a mess here. I saw the video, you know, it looks like they very obviously ignored the the two black girls that were standing there. So we'll see. This is, uh, he filed this as, he's trying to get class action status in this case. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, nonetheless, they're seeking $5 million, I believe in, in uh, damages. So we'll see. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's a, that's a hefty, uh, price tag for being ignored in the in the park i'm not i'm not like saying that discrimination isn't wrong or whatever but let me make a correction they are seeking 25 million dollars in damages not 5 million 25 million so i don't know if they're going to get that but i don't i don't think they should I, i mean i think it's a great it's a great stance to say well if you discriminate we're gonna make you pay um, but I feel like it's going to be like some some fuel for those opponents of these sorts of things to say, well, yeah. this is why we don't need to do this, because this was something that they clearly said was an accident and they don't do this and they have training it for is, it or whatever the case. But yeah. here we are making them pay twenty five million dollars for a one time thing that that, you know, I don't know. It's just yikes. it's just a lot. of. <laughs> I, I would have the five million to me is. I guess more acceptable than the 25, but I would have been more like, just give them like free passes for the rest of their lives. And, you know, maybe a little bit of money or something. You know, this is one of those things I do. And listen, you can disagree with me all day. Listeners. I understand everybody has their own opinion about it, but in my opinion, I do think it's a reach. You know, I understand they were ignored during the show. We could see it very clearly in the video. But I just think, to me, the message you're sending to those two girls is that this is some widespread, chronic problem going on at the Sesame Street-themed SeaWorld Park in Philadelphia. And I just I just don't buy it. I think it's <laughs> like you say, I just think it's a one-time thing. You happen to catch it on film. They didn't interact with their children. But let's not put their children on pedestals and say that they're victims of just blatant, appalling, chronic discrimination in Sesame Street and in Philadelphia. I think that's just the wrong message to send. Like, yes, they got ignored. It was wrong. I'm sure SeaWorld has probably apologized to them and has probably offered something that's not cash value. But um, I just, me, I just think it's the wrong way to go about it because they were not called slurs they were not called n-words we're talking about sesame street show in philadelphia like i just don't think we're just blowing it up into this whole it's just too much it feels like the parents are the ones pushing trying to get some money out of this and the kids are probably like okay the character didn't talk i want the free tickets to see world (laughs) yeah we'll take free tickets mama and daddy are like oh we got to make them pay and some lawyer probably talked to them and was like we think you can get some money out of this and then here we are, $25 million in damages. Like, now, now, you know, since this is trying to go to class action suit status, you know who's about to be on the case, you know. <laughs> I, it's only, I, let a couple I more bet my play. last couple hundred bucks that Attorney General Ben Crump <laughs> is going to be trying to defend this family. The, <laughs> the BAG, the Black Attorney General. Yeah, I, I, I can only, you know. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate because that's not what we're here to do. But I agree right. with Devin, and it's not because he's my co-host and we're friends, but it's because it's the truth, uh, and you can say what you want to about it. But another little update here. 
This is on the Justice Department. They're opening up an environmental racism investigation. This is interesting. I had never really heard of an environmental racism investigation, even though we know that this happens because we talked about this on our podcast. But numerous complaints about alleged environmental racism in Houston have prompted the Department of Justice to launch an investigation. Lone Star Legal Aid has chronicled has chronicled hundreds of calls from black and Latino residents about officials ignoring their complaints about illegal garbage dumping. The federal investigation will also examine whether Houston discriminated against residents by allowing 11 of 13 incinerators and landfills to be filled, to be placed in the city's Northeast section over the past several decades. Great, great investigation. It reminds me of, you know, what is it? Cancer Alley in Louisiana and all these other mm-hmm. places. I mean, there's, I want to say that and even had that one has an investigation. I think that may be going on or somebody was talking. I saw an article about this, but I know Devin, you live in Texas. You, you probably know a little bit about this situation in Houston. I don't know if you do or not, um, but you know, I'm glad that there's an investigation. Yeah. I, I think I heard something about this in, 2021 i believe i think i heard i read a story last year about there are pockets you know areas around houston about you know near these big refineries i think this is talking about illegal garbage dumping but you see this with refineries too where you have higher cancer rates in some of the black neighborhoods or or neighborhoods where latinos live they have higher cancer rates than you know other places where these refineries are not present and so uh, this is just an extension of that and i understand people we're not, some folks may be like, good Lord, you find racism in everything, but in the environment and where we place landfills and incinerators and refineries can be because be, they could be placed in certain areas because they don't care about the folks in those neighborhoods who will be affected. They don't care about changing the light, the, the lead pipes out because it's black people who are going to be drinking the water. Like environmental racism is a thing. Just like when we talk about infrastructure, the same thing um, goes in hand in hand. So um, I'm glad to see that they are finally taking this seriously. And we're, I think we're going to see a lot more cases like this where some of these environmental issues that black people have been complaining about for so long, whether that's lead pipes, dirty air, you know, higher cancer rate in certain areas. You're going to see a lot more of this as we start to focus more on climate change and the cleaning up the environment. Um, hopefully this is just the start of it. And if you're someone out there who thinks it's not much of a big deal, I challenge you to go do some research to look at white neighborhoods and look at sort of things like illegal dumping and refineries at all these sorts of things. Just just see and and see if they have these sorts of things in their neighborhoods and their suburbs and gated communities. I know when I lived in, you know, a lot of these areas in Mississippi, I didn't really see it in you know, the nice neighborhoods. I usually saw it in more of the ghettos. So, <laughs> but like I said, I challenge you to go do your research and you'll, you'll learn. Exactly. And before we go, um, if you happen to win the lottery, you could be in one of those gated neighborhoods where you don't have to live next to a refinery or an illegal dumping site. But if you don't know, you should know that the Mega Millions lottery jackpot is now over one billion dollars after nobody got all six numbers on tuesday night and won the top prize they're going to now do another drawing which is going to be should have been last night technically today is saturday so we should see if somebody's won it but when you hear this story hopefully you're a winner if not um sorry but the prize is a billion dollars for those who choose the annuity option um if you choose to get paid over 30 years um, you could get the annuity. If not, then the estimated cash value of it is six hundred and five, six hundred two point five million dollars. And so, just to add it off, the odds of winning the jackpot are one in three hundred and two point five million. So, <laughs> you know, hey, it's, it's a two dollar ticket. I did it mine. I have an app called Jackpocket. I bought a ticket Tuesday night, didn't win, but you know, I'm gonna try again. I mean, maybe as you're listening to this, I might be a billionaire. Who knows? Or a millionaire. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'm going to, I think I'm going to do that. $2 ticket. That's, it's worth it. It's going to education. Exactly. See? <laughs> so, listeners, if you want to, oh, my bad. I was going to do our transition here. But oh, got it. I was just going to say, listeners, if you want to, you know, maybe become a billionaire and give to education, get that app. What's the app again, Devin? It is called Jackpocket. 
There's Jack, some free promotion for Jack Pocket. There you go, Jack Pocket. Get that app. I'm already downloading it now. So I'll see you on the other side of the break, listeners. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda Podcast. We appreciate your support and ask that you like and follow us on social media, as well as share our content with your network. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using our handle at Black Agenda Pod. Again, our handle is at Black Agenda Pod. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So let's get into our favorite section, and we know it's yours too, even though you won't say it to us. Uh, but that is our quick hits here. So we're going to jump right into it. And I saw this, uh, Adrian, because I watched this podcast. It's called The Pivot. It's a video podcast on YouTube. But uh, on this past week, they had uh, comedian Kevin Hart. And this was a hilarious scene during the show where uh, Kevin Hart had a priceless reaction to ex-NFL player Channing Crowder's appreciation for nudist colonies. And he, Kevin Hart went full <laughs> roast master and clown the dude on his own show. And so Channing Crowder opened up on the Pivot podcast and said how he and his wife of 11 years, Asia, he said that they like to take annual exhibitionist trips to nudist colonies. And he said, quote, once a year, we go to a nudist colony. We go to a place where like you walk in and everybody just gets naked and walk around. And so Kevin Hart, who was on the podcast, was listening to him say this and looked at Channing Crowder in disbelief and asked, quote, you hear what you're saying out loud, brother? He said, y'all. And then he also asked for clarification as far as when you're going to these nudist colonies. He said, quote, he said, are y'all just are y'all just hanging out or are y'all fucking these people? Because <laughs> this is a swingers co- nudist colony. Um, Crowder admits that him in Asia, that there are swingers at these events. But when they go, they don't participate in the swinging they just like being around naked people together oh so. come on <laughs> yeah. I, I did not expect him to admit that i feel like that would have been a little too far if he had said yes we participate and we're having sex with other people but uh nonetheless you have to watch the clip kevin hart's reaction to it is hilarious i love the show partly because Channing crowder is just ridiculous and he acts some of the most out of left field questions. And this was one of them when he brought up, you know, him and his wife going to a nudist colony. So I don't even know how you find a nudist colony. Uh, I've heard of nude beaches. You know, I have a friend who goes there, but um, nudist colony. So put that on your bucket list. <laughs> you know, I only can imagine he's talking about those sorts of resorts where you or they're like clothing optional yeah i i can only because when i think here a nudist colony i think like something in the woods or like 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 an amish community or something off the grid like (laughs) Like, i just like it's it's gotta be some sort of like actual resort and and i mean come on if 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 people are if, if you're if everybody's naked and you're just surrounded by people fucking having sex. Sorry to, you know, drop the F word, but everybody's having sex around you. Uh, I just don't believe you're not participating. I mean, may, maybe you and Asia, just have, maybe y'all are just, y'all made a little bubble and you made yeah. sure no one's touching you while y'all are having sex, but there's y'all are surrounded by people come. Y'all are at least getting touched by, I mean, I'm, I'm not, again, I guess we're not here to speculate, but I'm just saying is. I mean, you're halfway there. I'm going to say halfway. You're 90% there because you're <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got no clothes on. And like, you're surrounded by people having sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, how do you not participate? I I would, if I had to bet money, I would probably say that they have probably had sex with like another couple or something like that. But I don't think Channing would admit it because in this same show, he did say that his wife, Asia, has talked to him about some of the things that Channing has admitted about their relationship. They're very, um, how do you say it? They're very creative with their sexual life. Mm. You know, they role play, they do different things. And, you know, he apparently has admitted that, that during role play, he'll play as a cat, you know, and she's like an old grand, you know, old grandma in the house with her cat. He starts out outside on the porch and, he comes in to the house, you know, it's, hey, 
do what you gotta do have fun in the bedroom but he's he's admitted some pretty wild stuff on the show and so asia had to be like hey you know like i'm okay with some of this but you need to tone it down i don't know if she knew he was gonna say this but nonetheless it was a hilarious all the sex stuff (laughs) i might have to watch that uh a new new it's uh, funny i don't have to do that uh this is another thing here that's pretty funny uh this is about somebody who was very upset with an ex-boyfriend most people just you know cry or send you know you know, dirty uh, messages, but this person did something else. <clears throat> they actually tried to set their ex-boyfriend's house on fire, uh, but they ended up setting the wrong house on fire. And I'm just like, you know, how, like, how do you, like, how do you forget your ex-boyfriend's address or what happened? So this is a bizarre incident that happened in North Carolina. The homeowner was awoke early Friday morning after a neighbor notified him that a woman was attempting to set his house ablaze. This is what the sheriff's office was reporting. And the homeowner raced out uh, and grabbed a garden hose, but there was a burning piece of wood. Uh, excuse me. As the homeowner raced to get a garden hose, there was a burning piece of wood encircling a propane tank on his front porch. Wow, she is smart. Uh, but when he tried to use the hose, it didn't work. The suspect, uh, Christy Louise Jones, allegedly used flex steel. I've seen all those commercials to block the water hose. This lady is smart. She came prepared. Diabolical. I know. (laughs) Says the homeowner then confronted her, Jones, with his rifle as she was holding the leash to one of his dogs, which I don't don't know how the dogs got involved here. Uh, You know, authorities said she just mumbled before she drove off as first responders, you know, came in to the scene. I, I, this, Whoever wrote this, it just this sounds very, very chaotic on what happened. But I really, you know, I admire uh, Christy. I mean, she got some flex steel. You know, she, you know, filled it, filled the hose. So, like, you're not going to put this fire out with your hose. You know, we're going to flex steel this thing up. And she put, like, burning wood with the propane tank. She was trying to have a bomb. I mean, that's (laughs) just, just... just trying to set it off over there like she is i don't know what uh this ex-boyfriend did but man whatever he did don't ever do devin don't ever do to a girl don't don't ever do no you don't have to worry about that i mean a propane tank (laughs) damn like i would have just been okay you just set my back porch on fire or burn my trees down or but a propane like you could have blown my whole house up like you're a terrorist. <laughs> she was arrested. To say the least, she was arrested. <laughs> yeah, I think she needs to be charged as a, a, a domestic terrorist or something. Like, yeah, she is. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, but we'll move on to our next uh, quick hit. It's not as diabolical as that, but it is. It is pretty funny. We're going to go up to Missouri, where uh, Missouri businesses are battling it out over. <clears throat> signs. I know some people probably have heard of this where different businesses will put different messages in their sign. They're having a signing battle. And in Missouri, they're having a battle after McDonald's restaurant sparked the now viral sign war with the area businesses. And so this war of words started earlier this month when uh, the fast food chain's Marshfield, Missouri store wrote the message, quote, hey, DQ, want to have a sign war? And they did that to the local Dairy Queen. And so after that, Dairy Queen employees decided to fire back with a sign of its own and poked fun at the chain's ice cream machine was saying, quote, we would we would, but we were too busy making ice cream. And so <laughs> McDonald's wrote on their sign, quote, that's cute. Our ice cream makes itself makes itself. And then okay. what started as a back and forth between just Dairy Queen and McDonald's has turned into dozens of other businesses getting involved. Um, and so here's another one from Arvis Bank. They wrote just checking in on the sign war, and they put checking in all caps. Would be a bank. That's so typical. So cheesy. Uh, right. Cheesy. Um, Hucklebuck Barbecue wrote sign war. Y'all can't handle the smoke in all caps. That's pretty funny. I like that. Um, and then the local Domino's wrote your signs are just or your signs are cheesy, just like our pizza. Oh, that's kind of lame too. 
Um, yeah, I like Hucklebuck. <laughs> I hope that if they taste like Pecan Lodge in Dallas, I would like them even more. <laughs> we'll have to make a, a trip up to Marshfield, uh, Missouri then. We got to see uh, what it's all about. I'm telling, you know, once I'm very, very wealthy, I'm going to have a lot of like food uh uh, tours to where I'm just traveling around and documenting it. I'll probably I'll probably have a Netflix special because I'll be an important person by then. But <laughs> I'll be the next. Um, uh, what, what was that guy's name? It wasn't Anthony oh. Bourdain because he didn't do food. He just did. He just traveled. It was Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. the, yeah, he did the food. I'm not gonna be doing that crazy stuff where I'm eating like octopus eyeballs or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be going to like more fine dining exquisite like you know you know these are the places <laughs> that you gotta have some money and know how to get there you know whatever but uh another cool little story here to kind of round us off here uh this is taking us to florida uh, I guess maybe we should call a Florida woman since there's a Florida man or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but a Florida woman was captured on a bizarre video <clears throat> appearing to hold a pitchfork and a black whip outside a public supermarket after trying to sell teddy bears behind the store. <laughs> um, the incident happened around 2 p.m. in the front of the public supermarket. Uh, this is in uh, Florida in uh, Mineola. According to an arrest report, a Florida Highway Patrol trooper responded to a woman identified as 56-year-old Lisa Ann Sloan of OC. Uh, dash cam footage shows that the woman appeared to point the whip at the trooper. Maybe he was black. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> people said the trooper commanded her to put down the weapon, which she refused to do. The trooper managed to remove the weapon from her possession, handcuffed her, and placed her in the back of the patrol car. The trooper wrote in his arrest warrant that she appeared to be, quote, highly intoxicated and on some sort of stimulant drug. He said he observed many recent cut marks and bruises on her legs and body. The woman repeated uh, the woman repeatedly stated that she, quote, felt no pain anymore and that God was in control, end quote. Uh, she was arrested, charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and she was transported to the county jail. Uh, that sounds crazy. Very. I think when this uh, uh, author wrote bizarre video, it is very bizarre to have a woman outside of a grocery store with a pitchfork and a whip after she tried to sell some teddy bears to kids. Um, I just, <laughs> I just don't know. Like what? Are, like, geez, what is going on in Florida? I'm like, like I don't know. Like, it's got to be the water. It's got to be the air. It's it's. Hey, maybe she should just go be a teacher or something. Like, you know, shouldn't have to do this. Like, <laughs> sell the teddy bears at school. <laughs> maybe you can do that. Sell them to the kids at school. <laughs> you can give away to get to students in class at that point. Oh goodness, I don't, I don't know. They should y'all should have just bought her damn teddy bears, people. See what you did. Now she had to go back and get a pitchfork and a whip because y'all wouldn't buy her teddy bears. That's right. <laughs> That's some hard uh, sales tactics. I, I I've worked in sales for five years, and I can't say that I ever did that when someone said no. That wasn't in the manual. You sure? You might have skipped over that section. I mean, they do tell you to drop them off in the pit of despair and make them feel like you're the savior and that they need your products, but hey. you don't go get a you don't go get a pitchfork. So maybe it's more psychological trauma than physical trauma. She brought the 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 pits of despair to them with the pitchfork <laughs> and, the, and the whip. She's like, hey, I'm just going to give you the full experience. I don't need to do it over the phone. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to talk anymore. We just, we're going to act now. We're going to do something about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but listeners, that's, um, I think that's going to do it for our quick hits here. We had not the bash on the women, but man, we two crazy stories. We lighting the house on fire in North Carolina. And we got pitchforks and whips to try to sell teddy bears in Florida. Um, be careful out there, fellas. You know, treat people how you want to be treated because they could come back and try to blow your house up later on. So, you know, words to the wise out there. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Yes, that is exactly right. But before we go, listeners, that's it for our show. That's it for our quick hits. But we do have one last final message for you, which is that you can look forward to hearing us. Uh, with a guest, uh, his name is going to be Dr. John R. Lott Jr. He's an economist, world-recognized expert on guns and crime, 
and he is the current president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And he's going to be on the show next month to talk to us about mass shootings. And so this is really mass shootings, gun control. We're going to talk about it all. We understand, you know, after the shooting in Buffalo and, and Uvalde, guns are on the, the, the minds of a lot of folks right now. And so we want to dig into the topic and see what can we do to prevent this. So we're going to talk to uh, Dr. John Arlott Jr. next month. This is our last episode of July. So make sure you tune in in August. That's when you'll hear from us again, uh, both on the weekly roundup and our next episode with the guests. But before we get out of here, Adrian's going to let you know how you can help us out while we're working on that next episode. So Adrian, take it away. You're muted. Yeah, listeners, helping us out is super important. I, I I remember in the old seasons, I would always give you a spiel about like why and our vision and stuff like that. But hopefully after four seasons, you kind of know that. If you're new to us, you probably may not know that. And maybe I should let you know. Um, but, you know, we're doing something here. We're creating uh, great content. We're creating a narrative about the black community that is correcting the narrative that's out there. Um, we're really trying to promote social justice, equality, work towards something that's going to be an actual organization, you know, something that's going to accomplish things. So that's what we're trying to do here. That's why you're donating to us. So go down to those, you know, as you're looking on the timestamps, hit the donate tab. It's going to take you directly to our patron page. If you want to be fancier, you can, you know, go to the website, patron, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash blackage in the pod. But Easy is the best way, which is in the timestamps. Just click on the donate tab. Our charity of the month, remember we had talked about the single parent project. Uh, July was kind of our single parent theme. If you're a single parent mom, you know, uh, hats off to you. Single parent dad, hats off to you as well. We know that it is not easy to be a single parent. Exactly. Not easy at all. And also make sure while you're looking at the single, checking out the single parent project, make sure you visit blackandgenderpod.com both for some new articles, but also to make those donations and help us out. And follow us on social media at blackagendapod is our handle. So that's it for me and Adrian. We'll be back with you next week, or as I would like to say, next month, which is August. We'll be back with you next month for another edition of our weekly roundup and another episode featuring a special guest. So that's it for me and Adrian. We appreciate you sticking with us, listeners, and we will catch you next time.